What is podcasting dynamic ad insertion and how does it work? What many sports podcasters can teach us about building audiences? Does podcasting have a discovery problem or some other problem? Apple launches its new podcast stats beta. Well, welcome to the Speaker Live Show. This is episode 139 on December 20th, 2017. Thank you so much. We're getting close to the end of the year, and uh, we're getting down to uh, the last episode of, uh, of the year coming up next week on December 27th, and I'll talk a little bit about that uh, a little bit later in the in the show, what I'm going to do on that particular episode. But uh, thank you for downloading us today, and Click and play to, to hear us wherever you're listening to us, in the car, on the bus, on the train, in an airplane. We definitely appreciate it. That's what's so cool about podcasting is that you can listen in so many places, even at the gym while you're, well, you're probably not mowing the lawn, but some people may be mowing the lawn, um, and all sorts of places. So thank you so much for, for joining us and uh, being, being a part of the Spreaker and uh, podcasting community. It's always great to have you uh, with us. I've got a special co-host guest co-host this week and he's a fellow team member from Spreaker and Block Talk Radio and uh, I've got the Pod Vader himself back on the show we had you on a couple months ago Jay Soderberg welcome to the show thanks Rob there's a couple of things I want to say out of your intro one you're one of those guys huh you number your episodes I do actually number my episodes I am one of those guys so you know do you have a problem with that just kidding no but when we get to the what sports podcasters can teach us uh, one of those things will be we don't care about numbering our episodes. Oh. Uh, the the second thing is they're mowing their lawns down in Australia. You know, I, while it's well, Christmas true. time here, it's the middle of summer down there. Well, they may be mowing them down in you know, like maybe Arizona or or uh, Los Angeles, maybe. This time they don't. Year? Well, Los Angeles if is burnt to the lawns. ground, and Arizona doesn't have any grass. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. It's rocks. So you're not going to go out there and mow your rocks, are you? Yes. No. Um, well, Jay, if you don't know, is the head of content at Block Talk Radio and Spreaker. And uh, yeah, he took my job. <laughs> I didn't take your job. What are you, you talking about? You stole it from me. No, just kidding. So I'm. Why, why would you perpetuate that myth? I know it's <sighs> a myth. I know it's a myth. I know. I just have to give you a hard time. It's just part of the, part of the entertainment of the show, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, so now I'm the we'll head of partnerships. It. So yeah. I'm out there working with everybody now, bringing everybody together in a kumbaya. Everybody shakes hands. Everybody smiles at each other, and you know, it, it's all that's, you know daisies and flowers. That's not what, that's flowers, not what you're right? doing. Oh, that's it's not. not? What, that's not what you're doing at all. No. If, <laughs> if it is, then I want some s'mores. What I want, I want in on some of that. <laughs> okay. Because that's not what I get to do. I don't. I don't get any of that kumbaya stuff at all. Oh, you don't. Jeez. No. I guess. I guess I, I guess I should share the kumbaya with you a little bit more, Jay. Yes, yeah, exactly. Okay. We do this show live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern uh, from SpreakerLiveShow.com. And uh, that's a great place to get us. You can also hear us in the Amazon Echo Smart Speakers, which I won't say her name because she is listening right now. Um, I have one on my desk right now. And if I were to say her name, she would actually chime in and talk to us. And I don't really want that to happen because it will probably happen to you if you have one on your desk and you're playing this through your speaker. So I'm not going to do that to you. But you can listen to this show on that uh, Echo device. Um, I guess there's going to be more um, places where this service is going to be available. It's not just going to be on these little Echo devices. It's going to be in the car. 
maybe on your refrigerator. Who knows, Jay? It's pretty, pretty crazy stuff what's happening with these talking women that are in our lives now. Well, and she sounds the same. Alexa sounds exactly like Siri, who sounds exactly like uh, what's the Cortana. what's the girl's name on Microsoft? Thank you, Cortana. Yeah, the, she the only one that follows me on Twitter too. She follows me on Twitter. Oh, I should, the only one that's the only one that's different is Google. Hey, Google. Uh, he, I don't think Google speaks. Oh, so all of our listeners that had a, a Google device on their desk now activated. <laughs> hey, that's what I do. I am a I am a dark Sith Lord of the podcasting yeah, that's realm. True, that's true, and we haven't even talked about that yet. Well, I guess I guess we did in an earlier episode. We talked about your your Sithness. Have you gone to see the new uh, Star Wars movie? Oh yeah, I was just a guest on a Star Wars podcast and talked about my. Uh, my my, uh, uh, it's not the worst movie, but it's not the best either. I have problems with the new movie. Do you have a a challenge with uh, Mr. Adam Driver these days because he's playing the the young Sith Lord now? I don't have a problem with Adam. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, he's doing a fine job as a as a new Sith Lord. But is he really a Sith? That's the ah, question. That is the question, and that's not a question that needs to be answered on the Speaker Live Show. But no. But it could be answered off of your Twitter account or something like that, right? Uh, absolutely. You can always find me at the Real Pod Vader, uh, where I will post my interview with said uh, Star Wars podcast, which, by the way, is Coffee with Kenobi. Excellent podcast. I ah, recommend it to everyone. Nice, nice little plug there. So is that available on um, Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker? Coffee with Kenobi, yes. As a matter of fact, it is a Blog Talk Radio podcast. But uh, my episode's not available yet. Uh, but if you follow me on Twitter, you'll find out when it is available. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Spreaker Live Show also has uh, apps on iOS and Android, so you can get us over there. And we definitely want to hear from you. Um, and send me an email, uh, rob at spreaker.com. If you have any comments, we definitely, as Alex <coughs> reiterates every episode, uh, he actually doesn't want any text con- uh, comments anymore. He wants it all as an MP3 file. So, you know, you got to get, get with the program. You're a podcaster, right? So send us an audio file and we will play it on the show. So it'd be awesome. And I also wanted to mention, uh, and I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, is that I'm planning the last episode of the year um, for December 27th. And what I'm planning to do is a special episode talking about predictions for the podcasting medium in 2018. So how and where and where and where it's going and how it's going to grow, if it's going to grow, how it's going to change. Um, so we're going to talk about that stuff a little bit. I usually do that every year on my blog too. So maybe I'll write an article too. Do you ever get involved in making some predictions for the new year, Jay? Heck no. Nobody wants my predictions. They as don't? My football predictions. Well, if, you, if you follow my football predictions, they're horrible about 50% <laughs> of the time. So well, you know, I guess that's the, about I guess all you can hope the time for. They're great, but yeah, yeah fifty percent of the time they're awesome. All you can hope for is a fifty percent accuracy. Anyway, yeah, I used to do this on my old radio show back in the day when people would want to want to hear what my predictions for the new year were, were around internet technology and what where things were moving with that. And I've kind of moved on from that because we've already achieved everything we want to achieve, and actually now we've kind of we're going we're, we're going to start going backwards. Actually, Jay, I think you know, the network neutrality thing that's going on. But we don't have to talk about that. Maybe at some point we'll talk about that. 
Um, but uh, let's jump into the, the, the main topic this week. Uh, let's talk about some dynamic ad insertion, Jay. And I know you're a big passionate uh, believer in the dynamic ad insertion uh, technology. Uh, it's something that's uh, been an important part of the blog talk radio kind of service and platform. And, and I know I've been deeply involved in it too, um, working for Podcast One. We had our own platform that uh, did dynamic ad insertion and had partners that we worked with. So I've had a lot of deep dives into this stuff too. And and Spreaker is on the cusp, um, or the combined company is working together to uh, create uh, a terrific dynamic ad insertion uh, system. So Jay, let's talk about a little bit. What is dynamic ad insertion? Let's make sure everybody in the audience really kind of understands what we're talking about. Uh, and how it might impact them. So let's start out. What is a pre-roll, mid-roll, and post-roll? Well, those are those are easy to define because they're pretty much defined by the way that their names are. A pre-roll is simply a commercial that appears at the beginning of your podcast. A mid-roll is a commercial that appears in somewhere in the middle of your content, not necessarily the exact middle, but anywhere in between the beginning and the end of your podcast, that's considered a mid-roll. And a post-roll is a commercial that appears at the very end of your podcast. Uh, so the pre, the mid, and the post. Do do anybody really care about post-rolls? Well, it's sort of the dirtiest little secret in all of podcasting. It, nobody, nobody listens to post-roll ads. Uh, but well, until advertisers stop paying for them, you might as well have a post-roll ad in your show. I take exception to that. I think that there are listeners that listen to post rolls. I think so. You do? I do. I'm one of the rare folks out there that believe that there's at least one listener to any dynamically inserted podcast that has a post roll that gets that that, that spot gets listened to at least once in every episode. Hmm. You are uh you are an optimist. I'll give you that. <laughs> And the reason that I, will I say, say that is that there are passionate fans of these shows. I know I was looking at, and I'm going to talk about this later in the show, um, I was looking at the new Apple stats, and this show is over-indexing, which means that people are listening to more than the full episode. They're listening ooh, to it twice. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Uh, so that, that means if I had post-roll insertions, they... They're probably listening to those. Interesting. I will say that one of the things I, I used to like to do, I haven't done it in a while, is uh, is place my post-roll ad at the end of the podcast, but then put sort of like an outtake yeah, at the exactly. very – so at the end of the ad. Yeah. So uh, people agree. would look at their – look at the device that they were listening to the podcast and be like, whoa – this says that there's still three minutes left of the show, and I'm listening to an ad right now. This ad can't be three minutes long, can it? Uh, no, that ad probably is not three minutes long. It's probably 30 seconds to a minute, and yeah. there's more content coming. Uh, so I used to do that, like a little Easter egg, something you know for the one person who listened to the, to the post-roll ad. <laughs> You're the uh, exception to the rule. I'm a firm believer in... Um in mid rolls, you know, there's a whole company named mid roll. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, I think pre rolls and post rolls are kind of gonna, you know, maybe over time, maybe not be so cool anymore. I think more uh, multiple mid rolls might be the better answer. What do you think? Well, I think there's a place for all of these roles, except for oh. the post one. 
except for uh, the- I still I, I, well, or is it a pre pre post roll, or is it a pre mid roll? See, now you're just making now you're just making more confusion, Rob. Now, the that's to my me, job here with this show: confuse people, and then to me the have majority, a reason to yeah. explain more, and it, I can create more content. So I see what you're doing there. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. So for me, and this comes this comes from radio. Uh, from from my earliest days of radio training, when most people hear that, all right, folks, it's the end of the show. Uh, next week, as soon as you hear those words, those trigger words, you you tune out. Um, so I I do believe that a majority of the audience is, is is much like me. As soon as you hear, all right, that does it for today's show. Boom, you're done. That you're right. That did it for today's show. See you later. <laughs> I'm going to go listen to the next podcast because I'm already listening to you at, you know, two times speed to try and get done with you quicker so I can get to the next podcast. Oh, no, uh, it's 10 times speed now, Jay. Didn't you hear <laughs> Oh, the, sorry. Yeah, that's exactly. right. It's like 10 times speed. That's kind of what it sounds like. Pre-rolls. I still do believe that there's a spot for pre-rolls because it is the first thing that people are going to hear. Now, I being a an artiste also agree that the first thing that people hear should not be the advertisement it should be my voice and so ah, on my own yes on my own particular show i we do not i do not have a pre-roll as it is defined it is not the very first thing people will hear most of the time on my show most of the time you're going to hear a a tease, uh, basically what you just did at the beginning of this show with with the different uh, topics. Yep. Uh, I do sort of a similar thing on my football podcast where I set up uh, different uh, things that were said uh, in the course of the show uh, and set that up. It's usually about 30 to 45 seconds in length. Uh, I try to keep it right around that 30-second mark or shorter because that's the given time that I've got to really – you know, reel somebody in, and then I place an ad marker uh, with the Blog Talk Radio software for my first ad, and then I play my show open, and then I get into the content of my show. So uh, by doing it that way, I'm still getting credit, quote-unquote credit, for a quote-unquote pre-roll ad because it's within the first minute of my content. I believe that is a much better best practice Moving forward, as more and more people get into dynamic ad insertion and how to place ads, that I suppose technically and at other places is called an early mid-roll because by definition it is not at the very beginning of your show. So I suppose you're not supposed to call it a pre-roll anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it should be shorter too, right? It shouldn't be as as long as your your regular mid-rolls. Again, I it, well, it definitely shouldn't be longer than a minute, but I probably wouldn't recommend putting a minute-long ad in that spot either. Depending on the service that you're using and the type of ad that is going to be placed there, uh, you may or may not have full control over that particular ad, and we can get more into that in just a bit. Uh, because it, I think it is key here when we're talking about dynamic ad insertion, we're actually talking about a specific product. We're not actually talking about the actual ads involved. Uh, Dynamic ad insertion is actually the process of placing your ad in your podcast and then removing said ad when the campaign comes to an end and replacing it with a new ad. Now, well, that's one aspect of it. Basically, dynamic means change. Ad is the advertisement and insertion uh, should be self-defined. So that's, that's what we're talking about with dynamic ad insertion. Doesn't, 
specifically reference the actual ads involved in the process. Yeah, and then I'm going to explain a little bit uh, kind of uh, very technically here, um, so don't be intimidated. Uh, it's kind of like nice. sliding a book into a bookshelf, right? Oh, you know, that was real technical. Know, <laughs> yes, it was real. You know, that's kind of what it is. You take a little chunk of audio and you slide it in there kind of like it's the, you know, it's the it's just the book, you know, that slides in there between a bunch of other books, you know? That's kind of how that's how it works cuz I mean Audio files are delivered, and the bookshelf is a fairly good analogy in chunks. So, right. so if you think about it, each chunk is like a book. Um, so you slide it in between the chunks. Uh, you can you can create those book widths, whatever you want, right? You go into a tool and you establish an insertion point, which is typically established as a millisecond insertion point, and then that audio file just slides in and pushes both ends of the audio file. Uh, or both sides of the audio file apart, and it slides it in. So it does also create a, a varying length of your audio program as well. So this is right. another little, I told you it was fairly technical, but it was, it was <laughs> more of a simple explanation of a technical process. There you go. I, yes. it, that was a brilliant move too. Make what? sure, yeah, make sure when we have to create documents for this, for future products, from our team that uh, we, we, we have an illustration of a bookshelf. <laughs> We're going to need it. <laughs> we are going to need it, yes. So people understand what's actually happening here. It needs to be something that people are accustomed to in their life experience, right? Although I wonder how many millennials actually have seen a bookshelf or a book. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> but they probably may be seen a CD collection, right? Where they have a bunch of CDs. Wow. Maybe. Uh, you've you've just aged yourself worse, I think. <laughs> I could have said eight track tapes, but I didn't. So <laughs> now that's dated, right? Yeah, that is dated. Um, uh, I used to have a bunch of eight track tapes. I, I was born in nineteen seventy four, so I am very aware of the eight track tape, although not as aware as perhaps you were wrong. But are you dating me? No, just kidding. I am not right. meaning to date you. I was just simply <laughs> Try, I, was I, was, I was actually myself. trying to be an ally in your cause, and then I, <laughs> I realized I threw you right under the bus as quickly as I possibly could. Because <laughs> you don't want to be associated with that, right? Uh, eight-track eight <laughs> Listen, eight-tracks were, like, were cool, man. They were the best. Hey, I had like quadraphonic eight-track tapes, man. You can't Whoa. get quadraphonic eight, uh, CDs now or digital audio files. So I had like <laughs> four true. speakers, and they would be playing different sound bites in each of the speakers. So, pretty cool, huh? Yeah, that's like surround sound or something. Yes, it was. And who knows? Podcasting may be surround sound at some point. Who knows? Oh, maybe God, surrounded don't. by... I have to figure out how to produce for four different speakers. I don't even know what I'd do with myself. Yeah, I barely, I barely usually just do mono, let alone quadraphonic. So, yeah, anyway. exactly. Yeah. So, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about, well, you know, so we have dynamic ad insertion. So, so what, right? Why is that really important? I mean, how can it transform things? And I think a lot of it gets back to targeting, right? So, and the flexibility of monetizing your back catalog or your archives. And it's like being able to trade stuff in and out, right? Whenever you want. It's really kind of like a, you know, just a pass-through door that you can use to pass different ads around that you can make money with. Um, so it's, but targeting is an important part. And I know block talk radio has, 
has had this kind of this cortex um, service right. that can help, uh, I guess, refine that targeting. Because most targeting has been typically based on IP addresses. And when I say IP addresses, you know, some, a certain percentage of the audience kind of glazes over. Um, <laughs> and, and it's like, it's really, it's almost like your phone number, right? But it's your phone number for where your computer is on the internet. And so we can, we can quickly identify uh, where your computer is on the planet, right? Is it in Seattle? Is it in uh, Boston? Is it in New York? Where is it at? And we could potentially target an ad that would be relevant to your geographical location. And that's one of the key things that have kind of led um, the path forward with dynamic ad insertion. I did a lot of that stuff when I was at Podcast One because some of our advertisers were radio advertisers that um, had had retail um, stores in certain parts of the country. So we could run ads in like Atlanta or ads in New York for a certain um, chain of stores. Uh, um, and But now we're getting to a point now where maybe we can start mapping things to user preferences, likes and interests and things like that. Once you talk about that kind of stuff, Jay, have you delved into that much here over the last couple of years? Oh, well, obviously I've explored it quite a bit. I mean, essentially it's opening up new doors of revenue that podcasters didn't even know were available to them. So when you, when you talk about the geo targeting, uh, of a specific audience, well, most podcasters aren't going to be able to necessarily deliver a very large audience that would attract that type of advertiser. You know, most podcasters, you know, are going to get a very small percentage of their total listening audience to that one geographic area. So let's say, let's not use New York because that's a bigger metropolitan area, but let's use a smaller place. Let's say we want to target oh, Omaha, Nebraska, right? There's an advertiser in Omaha, Nebraska. You've got a podcast, Rob. You have the Spreaker Live show. You want to target the people that are listening to the Spreaker Live show in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, the advertiser is probably not going to be all that interested in in the, you know, the 1% of people, that one listener that's listening all the way through to the end of the podcast yeah. <laughs> from Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. But they're going to be interested they'd be interested if there's more than one listener from Omaha, Nebraska and that's where being a part of a service like what we provide ends up we, we take all of those small percentages and provide them to that advertiser. And now we can target and get that revenue to that podcaster so that they can monetize their show in multiple ways. So that's just one way where that sort of targeting takes place. And there's also demographic targeting, whether the listener is a male or a female. Uh, there's uh, obviously the age of a person we can target. You know, the millennials, we can target the Gen Xers, we can target the baby boomers. All sorts of different targeting, and that obviously opens up new doors of revenue for podcasters. The other uh, beauty of dynamic ad insertion, uh, as we talk about it, is everyone likes to talk about passive income. And the evergreenness of most podcasts, uh, you know, somebody that listens to the podcast today, that's great. But what happens when a person listens to this show, you know, five, six, seven months from now, years from now? Well, now that they've listened to it, there's going to be a new ad waiting there for, for them to hear. Uh, no matter when people will listen to the podcast, whether it's today or it's, you know, two years from now, always having a new ad there provides more income to the podcaster. So 
And these ads, and this is where we'll talk a little bit about the specific types of ads, there's usually generally considered two types of ads. There's the pre-recorded ad, and then there's the live read, or what I've come to call a host-read ad. Because it's not really a A podcast is not live, but in the radio realm where this practice really started, it's called a live read because the host is the one that is reading the advertisement, not the uh, pre-produced spot that is being sent from the ad agency. Yeah, the only reason that that we mention um, both of those terms is because oftentimes they're they're used um, in the same context. Um, So when somebody talks about a live read, they may be talking about a host read. So when they're referring to podcasting, they're talking about a host read, but they may say live read. So just kind of kind of realize that they're one and the same. Right. And and so both of these types of ads, the pre-produced ad that comes from the ad agency and the host read ad can be delivered dynamically. The host read ad can still be read by the host, but it would obviously have to be pre-recorded so that it could work like that book going into the bookshelf, but it's still read by the host. That's the that that's really the only difference, but Typically, in podcasting, when you do a host read, you're not pre-recording it. You're doing it right into the the content of the show, and that lives in the content of the show forever. So when somebody listens to the show two years from now, you're not making any new money from that from that listener because you've already been paid for that particular advertisement that's in your show. Uh, and over time, dynamic ad insertion will actually provide you more revenue per listen than what uh, a baked-in host read ad will provide you. Though still today, a lot of advertisers prefer the baked-in ads because uh, then their ad can be traded out. So, Well, of course, right? the advertiser prefers it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. The advertiser exactly. prefers it because they know they have free or advertising forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the challenges that we all face, and it's going to have to be balanced with this whole targeting aspect of it to create a, a balance of perception and the advertisers part of the value of dynamic insertion, because they're going to look at it and say, well, at any moment you could take my ad out of there. And, but the truth of the matter is, is that a lot of these campaigns are buying a certain amount of impressions or plays, right? right? So yep. what, what they're getting oftentimes with these baked in ads is that they're getting more plays or more listens than what they're paying for. Um, and that's that's where the inequality or the unfairness comes into play here, um, where, where with the dynamic ad insertion, the advertiser buys a certain amount of plays and a certain amount of impressions. That's what they get, and that's all they get. So, And that's fair, I think. But, you know, that's kind of not how the market is today. And this is one of those topics that I don't think it's talked about a lot, Jay, uh, about this discrepancy between what the advertiser gets, what they expect, and what's fair for the podcaster. Right. And that's where dynamic ad insertion, the argument back to the advertiser who's concerned that they're now no longer going to get that free advertising, is, but you're going to receive a better return on investment because now we're going to target your ad to the audience that you're specifically interested in. Uh, that's sort of the trade-off that, that, you, that you make with that particular advertiser so that it's fair to the podcaster who wants to get the most value out of their podcast uh, because they're selling their audience to these advertisers. Uh, Obviously, you want to make it fair to the advertiser who's 
ponying up the money to give the value to that podcaster. It is sort of a, everything is sort of cyclical and you have to you have to work with both sides and that's what negotiation is all about. Yes. And it's a complicated game right now. I think that because we're in a an advertising market here that's transitioning, um, the analytics are getting better and deeper, and this Apple announcement that came out is going to, in a short period of time, is going to complicate things a little bit even more, I believe, um, because you know the advertiser is going to expect some sort of a report on what's happening with Apple, which could complicate these discussions around value um, of these ads and whether or not they're actually heard or not. Uh, I think is the big uh, question that I think is going to come up very soon on this topic. Um, and so, well, Jay, let's also um, kind of the, the, the last big part of this is the advertisement itself, right? And and also the what the advertiser usually is looking for from a, a you know, either a CPA model or CPM model, that, that kind of stuff. But let's talk about formats. I mean, um, what does a typical ad format look like as far as duration, content uh, um, in podcasting versus what's historically been done uh, with radio? Sure. So again, you have the two different types of ads. You have the pre-produced ad that comes from the ad agency. And the, these are the same ads that you would typically hear on the radio. So you're going to hear the 15, 30 second, 60 second spots. Now at Blog Talk Radio, I can tell you three years ago when I first started, a majority of the ads were of the 60 second variety. I can tell you today, a majority of the ads are closer to the 30 second variety and we're hearing more 15 second ads uh, going through the system. Uh, and that's the transition that's being made on terrestrial radio. You can actually hear that happening with the podcast ads that are being delivered. The host read ads, again, is completely in control of the host. So typically when an advertiser uh, negotiates a deal with the with the podcaster, uh, depending on what type of ad. Uh, again, typically the pre-roll ads, the the advertiser is looking for a quick a quick mention of their of their product, and sort of more about this is coming up later in the show. So uh, when a when a when a host read uh, pre-roll is purchased, it's usually right around that 15 second mark because it's just a quick mention of the product. You know, today's episode is brought to you by so and so. Yeah, so and so. More more stuff about so and so is coming up in, in just a few moments, and then you get into the content of your show, and then the mid-roll ad. That's where you you're you're building it into the content of the show. The host is reading the ad uh, and is making it sound as if it's part of the content of the program. And that can last, you know, the advertiser's expecting at least a minute uh, for the most part. And they'll usually, because the host is getting into it and building a story around it, usually makes that ad a little bit longer. I know that I've been doing ads on my show, some host read ads where it's only supposed to be a minute long and it's usually right around two minutes. That's about the quickest I think I've gotten through one of the ads on my own program. And that's yeah, just and because of the way that I'm telling the story. Going going longer than that. I know mm -hmm. there's podcasters out there that will go three, four minutes on their their host reads because they're <clears throat> they oftentimes get into storytelling, right? They'll tell a story about something that happened to their in their lives that um, had some sort of connection with this product. It becomes this blended experience of content and ad, and th that's what makes this business a little bit complicated from the standpoint of of um, is it an ad or is it 
part of the content, you know, and that's one of the opportunities. Um, but it's also, I think, as I think about it in the long term, I know um, Google went through this a little bit too, not to pull it back in time a little bit uh, around keyword campaigns, right, on, on Google, where they had areas in the in the uh, search results, right, that would um, basically have sponsored links in there, but they weren't identified, right? So you have this the struggle that I think that's happening, that's going to happen, I think more and more in the podcasting space of, well, what's an ad and what's not an ad? What's content? And I think we've kind of blended this together. And I think that's what's really effective uh, is the blended experience around uh, mentioning advertisers. But it's also, you know, it raises some questions about the ethics of that too. Should we be a little bit clearer? Jay, do you have a position on this? Should we, we be really clear that this is an ad? at the beginning no. of reading this? Or do you think that blending this together with content is the smart move going forward and we're not going to face an, you know, like a FTC challenge at some point on this? I mean, maybe we will, maybe we won't. I will say that the blended experience is, is obviously more effective because it becomes, you know, we know about the connection that the host has with their audience in a podcast. And obviously the audience is so in tune to the host and the host's, livelihood uh, that as the host is telling the story about this particular product that he's been paid to essentially endorse that uh, the audience is now going to also want to have the same experience as the host had. And so I think when it comes to defining it, obviously anytime that you have been paid to speak about a particular product uh, and endorse it, that is an advertisement, that is a sponsorship, that is uh, a commercial, uh, any of the words that are associated with that particular word. Go yeah. go to com, and you can find some more. Uh, but I think the audience is a lot smarter than we give them credit for, too. I know oftentimes you like to say that people are stupid, or at least I'd like to say that. But uh, for the most part, people sort of understand as soon as a, a host starts talking about a particular product and how much they love it, uh, it's usually an ad. And and if it's not, the host will usually say something like, by the way, I haven't even been paid to talk about this particular product. But if uh, X, Y, and Z company wants to start giving me money to talk more about their product, I will gladly take it. <laughs> yeah. I've I've heard that many times over the years. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of podcasts are like, uh, they talk about um, services and and other platforms and things like that, and they either like them or they they hate them. I know th- there was also a struggle in the early days of podcasting where where um, advertisers would come in and sponsor a show, and but the hosts felt like they had the ability to criticize um, that platform if they were doing something wrong because of this whole authenticity and um, you want to be honest with your audience even though that advertiser may have something, some flaw with their product or something like that, that somehow it was okay for the advertiser to point that out or, or the podcaster to point out that flaw. So the audience knew about it before they bought the product. So, you know, these are like uh, kind of like ethical struggles that have happened over the many years. And I think what, how the podcasters have adjusted to this is they basically have, have um, started reviewing products more before they endorse them. So that sets up a good or bad scenario, right? Um, should the podcaster be truthful and honest about their experience with the product or should they be um, um, overly enthusiastic even though maybe it didn't quite meet their needs, if you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, that is a that is an ethical problem. And, and I'm looking at 
I, I think a bigger problem that podcasters will have to start facing is think about all of the different companies that do these type of host red ads. They're all very similar. I'm specifically thinking of the different shaving companies that uh, you know, are advertising in podcasts. And some podcasters have had both of them uh, featured on their program. Yeah. Uh, and, and they've, there. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's, um, it's, it's going to become more interesting as more and more, uh, as advertisers start waking up and start realizing that this type of advertising is more effective than the pre-produced ad that, that, that is being provided, uh, to terrestrial radio uh, and podcasts, yeah. that the that the host ad is more uh, is more successful, and it does become one of those things where the host understands that the way to get more money from the advertiser is converting more of their audience, and if the advertiser doesn't deliver a product that's necessarily phenomenal uh, or as phenomenal as the host is saying, they run into that. Well, if I if I say that it's not, then I'm not going to make as many conversions. Yep. And if I don't make as many conversions, I'm not going to make any money. And but I also want to maintain the the credibility with my audience too, right? right? So if if a certain percentage of the audience takes that host's endorsement and they have a bad experience, do, you know, who do they blame? The product or the recommender, right? So mm -hmm. that's the that's some of the ethical struggles that are involved in in doing podcast advertising, and I think we all have to. Just kind of understand that that's there, there's a long history of this stuff, and a, a lot of new people to the podcast advertising business, I think, kind of tend to sometimes learn the hard way on this stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So you kind of have to make your value judgments as well, um, and and um, you know you have to be okay with what's going on. I mean, a lot of the advertising that is coming through Spreaker and Block Talk Radio and that kind of stuff are you don't have a lot of control over what those ads are, right? So, so, and, but those aren't host endorsed ads either. So you don't have to have that conflict or be concerned right. about it as being from your voice or your endorsement. You're basically, it's just an ad that's playing a part of your program. Kind of like what's been going on with radio for many years, but radio's also had this struggle too, because they've had uh, live reads for a long time. So this isn't a new challenge. Um, and, and Jay, so how did the radio side of the industry, and there's probably some learnings from that, handle this this kind of ethical dilemma? Well, if you think about it, Rob, back uh, back before both you and I were born, and radio was uh, a growing media, this is the type of advertising that was done. It, it's yeah. funny that people think that host right ads are are a brand new thing. No, host right ads were the only ads that existed when radio was first invented. Uh, and the reason why things moved to the system that exists now is twofold. One, it was a little bit more economical to have an ad agency produce the ad exactly the way that they wanted it. Uh, and they could spiffify it. If, the, if I can make that a word, they can produce it uh, in, the, in the way that they wanted and didn't have to utilize the resources of the broadcast companies to create those particular ads. And two, there was this ethical dilemma. Uh, and you'll note that there are still organizations to this day that do not allow uh, their respected journalists to do host read ads because they cannot put their their credibility on the line to endorse said product. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe this is the case with many of the NPR 
podcasts that Correct. exist out there. Correct. And also uh, some of the uh, shows, I'm trying to think of a couple of them that, that do like consumer topics around money and products and and things like that, they they don't do any of their host read stuff. The, any advertisers or have to be completely separated from them because they may they may jeopardize their credibility as a reviewer. You know, so you have th- those kind of challenges as well. Right. So that, so that's sort of why terrestrial radio moved to that model and moved away from the host read, and and then as with all things in life, it is a circular process. And there was a salesman who rediscovered the host right ad and figured out I can get more money for this type of ad than I can for the pre-produced ad. Uh, so I'm going to uh, sell this. And, and that's sort of, that's sort of where we're at. I believe that there will be another cycle that will come that will evolve things even beyond where we're currently at. And if I knew exactly when that cycle was coming, uh, I would be a very rich man. Well, and, uh, you've you've piqued my interest, Jay. What is that next thing that's coming, or is it still a top secret? I don't even know. That's the beauty, Rob. Something is, that is I, coming. I know something is coming. I just don't know exactly what it is. Oh, well, I, I should probably mention one of the somethings, because you started talking about money and how money is driven into this process. And it's usually done through CPMs or CPA campaigns. And I think there's a couple other acronyms out there that are less commonly used. But CPMs uh, are cost per million, which doesn't make any sense. Um, but Actually, I always heard CPM is cost per meal, which is uh, French for 1,000. So the cost ah, per 1,000. It's French. That's the yes. key. Oh, okay. I have been enlightened because I always heard it was cost <laughs> per millennial or uh, cost per man or something. I don't know. I don't. I I wasn't quite <laughs> sure what it what it was, but but it's it's basically based on a thousand listeners. That those listeners are gauged by some analytical system in your your uh, hosting platform that counts how many people listen. And so you get paid like a fixed dollar amount per thousand listeners. So it could be. $25 per thousand. It could be a hundred dollars per thousand. That That's where everybody's out there. You know, different podcasters are pounding on their chests. Well, I get who's getting hundred dollar CPM. Yeah, exactly. I get I want to meet $60 them. CPMs. How much do you make? Right. So yeah. Right. So some people have said, Oh, I get $80 CPMs, Jay. I've heard people say that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Maybe. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I, I think there's definitely a lot of different forms of podcasts, and I've had this conversation a number of times with different podcasters. There's, There are certain genres and certain niches that uh, have an audience that is very specific to those niches that are very monetizable, uh, and I will, I will reference a person uh, – Glenn the Geek of the uh, of the Horse uh, Network. He obviously delivers a podcast to a very niche group that is uh, all dealing with horses, and they are a very a defined audience. There's not going to be a lot of growth necessarily in that particular niche. It's it's sort of a fixed audience, and to reach that audience, Glenn delivers. Uh, a message that is very much appealing to that audience that advertisers understand 
to reach that audience, they can go through him. And that is why his product is a little bit more valuable than, say, myself, who does a National Football League reaction podcast uh, delivered by a group of fans. Well, guess what? We're a dime a dozen. Uh, and our audience, our audience is literally anyone that's interested in the NFL. So we don't deliver the same value proposition to the advertiser as Glenn, as Glenn the Geek does with his particular audience. And so understanding that Glenn could probably command an $80 CPM from an advertiser because of the value that he's going to return to that advertiser, whereas I – I'll be extremely happy with the $2 CPM if I can get that uh, for, 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 for my audience because, I, I mean, I'm literally I, – I don't have as narrow a niche or as valuable an audience as Glenn does. Well, Jay, so let me summarize this. What you've just told me is that um, if I had a podcast that was targeting um, neurosurgeons maybe, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. I could I could potentially get – you know, maybe $200 CPMs because the advertisers that I have on my show would be selling them, trying to sell them $200,000 surgical equipment, right? So, Absolutely. And if that neurosurgeon, let's say I have 100 neurosurgeons listening to my show, and two of those 100, 2% of, of my audience buys a $200,000 neurosurgeon surgical device in their practice, um, <laughs> you could conceivably make a lot of money on that, right? Yeah. If you had a, <laughs> an advertiser that, you know, converted based on your show. Yep. That was another great example, uh, Rob. Almost, it was almost bookshelf-like. That's my job here, Jay, is to take complicated subjects and uh, make them simplified. Um, that's By the way, I, I highly recommend, audience. yeah, I highly recommend somebody starting a pharmaceutical podcast because those guys uh, talk about ad talk about advertisers that are just falling over each other to get their products advertised uh, with doctors and such you just gotta be able to somehow uh, squeeze your podcast into the life of a doctor because he probably only sleeps like four hours a night uh, yeah, and is well, working around the clock right well that's when you that's when you suggest that you have your podcast piped through the doctor's office uh, in-house speakers. <laughs> there you go. Just just send them a bunch of uh, um, you know echo devices and just tell them just uh, exactly you know call up the show on a regular basis. There you go. That's the strategy going forward. So hey Lexi, anyway. play my play my hey, podcast. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say her name. I, I I only called her nickname. I can actually do that right now. Alexa, uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Ten years ago today. Queen Elizabeth II became the United Kingdom's oldest monarch. And now, she's added another decade to her reign. At 91, it's quite proper to say, long lives the queen. See, she was talking about the queen, Jay. I don't know if you heard that. You probably didn't hear that. I did. No, I heard all of that. it. It was, oh, you heard it was all clear as... As clear as day. And, and you said good morning to her, and it's, it's not even close to morning anymore. I, and she answered you. I was waiting for her not to I, answer you or to come back with a snarky response. I don't response think she like, cares about what I'm time I'm sorry, it Rob. Today. It's actually afternoon. <laughs> I, I don't think she cares. <laughs> She's not going to correct me. She's a product. She wants to please her customer. So mm. when the customer makes a mistake, she's just going to blow through it and, you know, do, do the right thing. People are so. going to fall in love with Lexi. They're yes. going to love Lexi more than they love their wives. It's going to be a shame. 
especially if it's the guys, right? It's like, yeah, this, Lexi uh, doesn't talk. Anyway, back I don't to even me. want to go on this topic too far. It's, it's <laughs> dangerous because she's listening. So anyway, okay. <laughs> so we should probably move on. We we have a few more topics yeah. to cover, and we've basically gone almost an hour, Jay. So uh, we've been. That, we've that's been what long. happens when you get two podcasters on a podcast. <laughs> it never happens. That's right. Well, we definitely want you to reach out and say hi to us. Uh, and I'm I'm referring to you, the listener out there sure. who's listening to us right now. I want to meet you and know who you are um, and that you're actually listening. And, and we would love to get your feedback and get, um, as Alex asked for, some audio comments from you. So please, uh, please send those to me. Uh, Rob at speaker.com and you're certainly welcome to send whatever flame email or comment or whatever you would like to, to Jay, uh, pod Vader at, uh, blog talk radio.com. And that's, I love how you laugh at that, <laughs> Rob. Yeah, Cause I like, trust me, so many of those. That's right. It's, it's easier for people to send it to pod Vader than Jay Soderberg. Try spelling that name. Oh, well, I've pod, heard so many different pod Vader so is not the easiest thing to spell either. You know, I well, was if like you know, fumbling, if you know, it. Well, if you know who Darth Vader is, it's I just do, a P O D name. I never wrote well, his name before. It's okay. Well, it's Pod Vader, P O D V A D E R, right? Right. Okay. Is that right? Yes. At it's like Vader, except com. with a V. Right. Be sure to send Jay lots of all your your comments <laughs> about this show because I'm sure you're extremely frustrated at this show at this point. So we've uh, spent Could too much be. time on on dynamic ad insertion. So. Let's uh, let's move on from that and uh, talk a little bit about Jay. Since you've got so much experience from your days in sports podcasting <clears throat> with ESPN, you must have picked up a few little tips and tricks about how to build audiences um, from those highly engaging um, podcasters over at ESPN. Yeah, nothing. There's nothing, nothing. I can tell you. No. Okay. Well, that, uh, I already that told you the first segment. <laughs> that was a quick segment. We can move on. No. I already told you the first the first lesson is uh, we don't care about the numbers uh, on the, on the podcast. And in quite honestly, I don't quite get the whole numbering thing. I, I think it came from some of the original podcasters. Maybe you can explain why you feel it's important to number your podcast. Because to me. Uh, it's this piece of content is just as important as piece of content number 1,239. One of the reasons why that, that was done early on is because not every uh, player device uh, displays a date. Mm. And some people like to, especially depending on what kind of content is. I mean, obviously, if it's dated information, if it has um, information in there, people like to know that they've got the latest episode. So um, that was... There's a couple of reasons, but, uh, you know, I think it's becoming a little less important. And I know Apple made some changes to their their namespace to accommodate numbering uh, in a little bit of a different way, um, where you separate the number from the title. And so I think numbering is still going to be important. It's almost like uh, even in uh, television and uh, numbering is still important. There's like seasons and episode numbers and things right. like that. I would agree with the premise of what you're saying, though, is that uh, that's not how people discover their podcasts, right? What they want to know is, what's this episode talking about, right? What's right. the content, right? Let's let's give them a, a title that has some meat in it, right? Some keywords or some attraction. It's almost like a headline of an article. Right. So, and to address the dating, you know, that's the thing that, that we used to do at ESPN and what I do on 
on my own podcast is we put the date at the end of the title. Uh, and we put it at the end of the title, not at the beginning of the title, because the beginning of the title is what is seen by everyone. So just like you said, we want to make a title that is meaty and is going to work as the bait to get you to get hooked in to my podcast. So I'm sure. going to put you know, the biggest, juiciest words I can at the beginning, because that's what you're going to see and what you're going to read on all of your different devices. And you're going to be interested in the show or you're not going to be interested in the show based on that particular title. Jay, the correct uh, um, tease on that is a big, juicy red wiggler is what you want to put. Oh, there you go. On there, you know, it's kind of like on a fishing pole, right? You put right. a big, juicy, oozing red wiggler on the end of your hook, right? And you'll catch that fish. And that's exactly. that's, that's in the same genre as my bookshelf analogy. So I'm, I'm doing analogies. It's very good, except this visual is not as uh, enticing as the bookshelf visual. Because this, this visual is a little bit more disgusting. A lot of people don't like slimy, different things. It, like, it just, yeah, it's a turn off. But uh, the idea and the concept is exactly right. Because the fish love juicy, oozing, slimy things. And, 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 we're, and we're fishing. We're, well, we're, Jay, we're trying why, to get the fish to take why the do bait. you think that I think of my audience any different than trying to catch a big fish? So I have to throw out some juicy, ugly-looking stuff to attract them because I know that's what people want. Interesting. I don't know. I, I think your analogy is speechless. starting to break down a little bit. You're here. speechless at this but, point, right? Yes. Okay. The other reason why sports podcasters don't number their shows is because they put out so much content. The the content that a sports podcaster has to react to is, you know, after every game. And I deal with the NFL, so there's only one game a week, but there are plenty of podcasters in sports that deal with baseball. There's there's 182 games in a baseball season so that's a lot those are a lot of games to react to uh basketball there i believe there's 82 games in an nba season so again you don't go into the playoffs yeah right and that doesn't even include the playoffs and the playoffs in in the nba last for months and months it's almost a new season uh don't even get me started with the nba playoffs but in any case uh, that's so sports podcasters, pit, Jay. That's a bottomless here's, pit. here's the thing. I worked at, I worked at ESPN doing sports podcasts for over eight years. I produced Rob well over 10,000 episodes of podcasts. Yourself. Uh, this is you, you actually myself. click the mouse Correct. to publish 10,000 yes. episodes. Wow. Well over 10,000 episodes. So wow. I, that is an unofficial Guinness world record. I'm pretty you sure there's no other finger and server. wrists from, from doing that. Uh, I should, shouldn't I? Yeah, I would um, say so. I mean, there were days, there were days that I produced eight or nine podcasts in a single uh, eight hour shift. Wow. So <laughs> by the way, that was not an eight hour shift. That shift went way longer than eight hours, but that was just a shift. It was just a day shift, right? That was just a day shift. So I would, yes. I walked into the studio at the beginning of the day. And I, when I left the studio at the end of the day, there were nine new podcasts available for people to, uh, download to their devices and enjoy. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, that's another reason why us sports podcasters don't number because there's just so much content that we produce. Now, there are sports podcasters that don't necessarily create new content based on 
a daily basis, but there are that do. There are still I, I know I have a couple of friends um, who are creating daily uh, sports podcasts. You know, Monday through Friday, five days a week, just like they would if they were on a radio show. Uh, that's you know the the amount of content that is consumed by the sports fan is is almost almost uh, never ending. It's just you, the ability to create new content on a daily basis is easy for a sports podcaster. There's always something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the team to the the whole uh, league to injuries to new players. I mean, you just go on and on and on and on and on. They just you know they talk until they they can't talk anymore. Right. And the stories are and the stories are phenomenal, right? The it's all about the the, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. It exists on right. a daily basis with with any sports team. So it's like talking about war, you know. I should say, could very much be like talking about war. <laughs> I'm not even going to follow you down that analogy, <laughs> foxhole. Just going to avoid that one. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I would. I, I would too. I wasn't going to go any further than that. Cause. But the the beauty of having that much content is that the sports podcaster can actively engage with their audience on a daily basis, mm-hmm. and by actively engage, meaning producing new content on a daily basis, allows them to actively promote it to their audience and talk with their audience about that content. Uh, and the more that you can do that, if, if you are engaging with your audience on a daily basis, whether you have a new podcast or not, you are creating a stronger community of listeners to your show. And you're because yeah, they don't have time to listen to anything else. Right. And you're building well and you're building that community, right? Hopefully that person loves your show so much they're gonna go and tell their friends about yeah. this show and then they're gonna listen to it. Uh well, the the problem becomes if you're a fantasy uh sports podcaster, uh that friend isn't gonna go tell other friends because he doesn't want his buddies to know about this juicy tidbit. Like, oh I can't let my I can't let the rest of my league know about this guy. I gotta keep this information private. Ah, that that that's a good way to grow your show. <laughs> no, it's not a good way to grow your show. It's the exact opposite. I'm not going to tell anybody about this because it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um, I get it. And then, of course, if you don't have a new podcast, like if you are only doing a podcast once a week, uh, you can engage with your audience through the game that is actually being played. A lot of the sports podcasters. I mean, sports fans are one of the bigger groups of people that are using Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh, I think if you look at the breakdown of the usage of Twitter specifically, you'll see that sports fans are a major percentage of the users of Twitter. And that's because of that uh, live interaction that they have uh, with the different people involved in covering a game, media, athletes, uh, celebrities, uh, you can go on and on. Having that uh, real life, real time interaction only helps continue to develop your community and get them more excited about the next piece of content you'll have ready available for them when the next published date comes up. Sounds good. Let's 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 just make that happen. 
well, I would love to just make that happen and just snap my fingers, but it doesn't work that way. (laughs) It takes, uh, it takes some time and you have to, uh, you have to find, you need to develop those, um, those champions, you know, those, those people that are going to go out and tell all their buddies, uh, about your show. Uh, and, uh, once you find those champions, you got to hug them closely and, foster, and really develop them. Yes. Yes. Develop so those that, relationships. Uh, Cause this is a word of mouth, uh, medium. Exactly. People have to keep that in mind at all times, night or day when they're sleeping, when they're awake, it's always there. So, well, Jay, I think we did a good job covering that. I, I think, um, the, the, the audience engagement and the interaction, the audience and the social engagement is a uh, key to, uh, building audience for sports podcasters. And I'm sure everyone can kind of learn from that. I would think. Well, and that's the, and that's the key point is, is that type of interaction is exactly what other podcasters do. If you're not, if you don't do a show about sports, remembering to actively engage with your audience on a daily basis is the key to continue to grow your show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's great. Speaking of uh, in- engaging with audiences and hopefully getting more, more audiences, let's talk a bit about the controversy that's been bubbling around for a couple of years. And it's, it's here this past week is kind of reared its head again is because uh, if you if you look at this, uh, there's a fairly equal split amongst the podcast community about this, and I know I'm kind of like alluding to something, um, but uh, it's about discovery. Does podcasting have a a content discovery problem? Are people <coughs> just not able to discover podcasting for whatever reason, uh, and, and or is there some other problem there? jacobsmedia.com posted an article. I was quoted in this because I had given a quote um, to this article as well. Um, And about uh, half of the podcast leaders um, that posted in here a quote uh, felt that there was a listener discovery problem. People, I guess they, uh, half of the people feel that uh, people just can't find podcasts for some reason or another is, um, and that's, that's the sole problem. Right. Um, and I, I don't personally agree with that, but there's a couple of quotes out there. Um, you know, it seems like some people feel, and I feel this too, that the medium, uh, has an awareness problem. that has been around for actually 13 years actually. And, and an understanding issue, um, of how it works, where to get it and, uh, listener experiences. I, a listening experience might be the better way of saying it are really the key issues here. Um, Jay, you know, I've, I put some quotes in here that I, I wanted to read from this article a little bit, but, um, kind of set it up for you, how, how you look at this question. Have you had a yeah. chance to kind of dive into this? Oh, oh, I've, I've dove into this topic, uh, numerous times. And this is, this is the answer that I always give is podcasting doesn't have a discovery problem. We have a discovering your podcast problem. <laughs> I, I agree with that too. Yeah. Because, because that's ultimately what it is. People that are complaining that people aren't finding their podcast, well, that's right. They're not finding your podcast. They're fine. 
trending podcasts, they're not having a problem with that. I mean, do you really think there's people out there that really don't know what Apple Podcasts are or what iTunes is? It's very few at this point. Like yeah. the awareness. I don't, I don't think that I see when you mentioned that there was an awareness, I kind of cringed a little cause I don't think there's necessarily an awareness issue either. Um, what I think the awareness issue is, uh, is right now, uh, there's a very strong group of podcasts which dominate the charts and any of the discovery portals that do exist. And most of those discovery portals are, uh, like the iTunes charts, for example. And it's the same podcasts at the top of that chart because they are the largest podcasts. And if a new person comes to listen to a show, they are going to look at what the top shows are and they're most likely going to listen to one of those top shows. They're not going to scroll down the page. They're not going to go to, uh, you know, uh, episode ranked 1000 in the podcast podcast charts. And as we know, there's over 400,000 podcast so um frankly i probably would want to be like episode four hundred thousand because i know that there are some people that just go you know i'm gonna go right to the bottom of the list i'm gonna start at the bottom is at the bottom right right exactly so so i wanted to uh you mentioned about you know a lot of people go into the the apple podcast ranking chart and uh and those are the are viewed as the biggest podcasts um, the, a little bit of the dirty secret here is that, um, just cause it's listed there doesn't mean it's the biggest, um, that's not a ranking of the biggest podcast. That's a ranking of, of shows that are driven based on an algorithm that Apple has that, that analyzes, um, the performance of that podcast. It's not a scale chart. It's more of a, you know, how quickly is it picking up new audience, uh, what's the engagement of that show on the platform? Are people commenting? Um, it's not necessarily a gauge of size. Uh, and I think a lot of people immediately just gravitate towards that as a size meter. And it, and it, it kind of isn't. Um, though I think it's a factor in the algorithm um, that, that Apple looks at. It's still a little bit of a trade secret that Apple has around this algorithm that they use to create this ranking chart. Um, but there's been a few um, folks that have kind of hacked it um, based on just asking questions of Apple over the years, and and it's 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 basically a snapshot of the of the of the most popular shows on Apple's platform. Uh, like I was saying, based on a few factors, right, of how fast it's picking up new audience. So let's say a, a podcast show like This American Life, they have an episode um, that that they just released that, uh, uh, is hot. You know, it's a, it's a popular um, show and a lot, a lot of people very quickly start listening to it. Uh, and then a certain amount of people quickly subscribe to this American life that maybe didn't. That is the metric, more the metric that Apple looks at is how quickly in a short window of time, like maybe a 48 hour to 36 hour window of time. What's the performance of this podcast? Uh, it doesn't, um, so, there are shows in the Apple catalog, and I've talked to other host platforms about this, you know, um, uh, Lipson, uh, or Raw Voice, all these guys, and they'll tell you the same thing, is that um, some of the biggest shows with the most audience and the most downloads aren't even on that list. <laughs> so so it's, it's not as clear as, as day on this, but um, let's... 
Let's talk a little bit about the um, quotes here. There's one that, that was given. I'm not going to put names to these. I'm just going to say, I'm just going to read these. And Why not, kind of, Rob? It's all uh, in that article. You could name I names. I know it is. I know it is, but I don't want to be, be, be the one to point fingers at somebody just because <laughs> I don't agree with them. So, but um, you can if you want. Um, one quote in here is, uh, yes, podcasts have, yeah, yes, podcasts have a discovery, discovery ability problem to a degree. Podcast networks appear to be the best way around that, Jay. Did you know that? Though there's, the best there's good work being done by some tech companies, notably CastBox and Radio Public. The bigger problem podcasts have is that the majority of people who podcast only, who podcast only listen to two podcasts a week. Wow, that's a problem. The Hmm. question is whether it's possible for this to be significantly grown. Yeah, I would say, yeah. Is it possible to grow overall audience for podcasts? Discovery is one thing, um, but but available ear time is quite another. I, I kind of agree with that. See, that now, if they had just stuck with that last sentence, they were yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The whole first part of it uh, yells, they don't have any idea what they're talking about. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. Well, because I believe the, the research has actually shown that the majority of people who listen to podcasts actually listen to five podcasts a week. Correct. Uh, and so, yeah, and and that's when I'm always talking to new podcasters and I'm, and they ask me that, that question that you always get asked, right, Rob, how long should my podcast be? Yeah, exactly. And I I always tell them, well, the people that are listening to podcasts are listening to five a week. So you've got to figure out a way to either displace one of those five because we're talking about the share of the ear or, your show is not too long that it could be included. And now that person's listening to six podcasts a week. That's true. And the, the individual that uh, made this post um, in this article um, has been a guest on this show before. Oh, so, now yeah. I'm going to have to go look at the article and figure out who this is. Yeah. So I, see, I already have, I have the article up for one of the quotes that I wanted to share. Oh, but you, yeah. Well, I, did you want to share it here? I do, and I'm going to name the name of the person who, who oh, I'm going to quote. You are brutal, man. I am. No, because he said something uh, phenomenally smart, uh, ah. and this is Eric, Eric Newsom, uh, who is the Senior Vice President of Original Content Development at Audible. Uh, and, well, we can, we can all have our feelings about Audible, but <laughs> Eric's quote is a good one, and I really liked it. Uh, And here it is. While there are currently more than 400,000 different shows in the podcast ecosystem, there is a surprising lack of diversity. And by diversity, I mean that podcasts tend to sound like other podcasts. While there's a lot of stellar talent and terrific stories, there's not a lot of diversity in appeal. For podcasting to break through to more ubiquitous use – I can't believe I actually said that word correctly – it needs to create more different types of listening experiences targeted at a broader range of people – not just more of the same. And this sort of goes back to sports podcasters because yeah. we are all sort of echoing each other. Uh, we've created, you know, the, what makes my podcast different than someone else's is, you know, my opinion. Now, I will say that the sports podcast that I created, I thought had a more unique spin on 
on the world of sports than others because it's the only independent podcast that features the viewpoint of 32 different people uh, in one podcast. So we we present all the different perspectives of a story, not only from the fan of a certain team's perspective, but the fans of the other team's perspectives as well. And when you can get as many different perspectives on one story, you're telling a fuller story and a more complete story and a more interesting story. However, uh, I'm still really only doing the exact same thing that's being done elsewhere, uh, just with different people. So my show isn't necessarily, uh, unique enough to, to appeal to a wider ranging audience. I think, uh, I think that's something that's uh, really interesting as we continue to grow as an industry. How are these new shows standing out? What's making them more unique than what already exists? Well, I don't know that uniqueness is the only factor here. I think it's uh, it's got to be compelling, right? It's got to be entertaining. Right. It's got to be something of value. Um, just being unique. I mean, I could I could have a podcast that I just scream into the microphone, and that would be unique. Um, well, maybe not. Hmm. I have to think about that's a good that's a good question. Now I'm going to have to search Apple to find if uh, if there's a screaming podcast. Yeah, there's so got to be. I'll have to start a screaming podcast because. It could be a screamingly hot podcast or it could be a screamingly uh, annoying podcast. I'm not quite sure what it could be, but that would be what, unique. That would be unique. Yeah, I wonder what kind of audience we would get with a screaming podcast. Yeah, see, sure. Now you've got my – now I'm very uh, interested in this. All right. Uh, let's, let's, let's roast this other quote that you've got here. Okay. Uh, which one is that, mine or uh, the one before that? No, I, I would love to roast your quote. What is your quote? Okay. Mine is, um, this continued complaining that podcasts have a discovery problem is being driven by many podcasters, just like you said, who are wanting to grow audience faster. Growth mm. like this can be achieved by doing some basic things that are fundamental to online marketing practices that include inspiring word of mouth sharing. Yep. So... There's nothing to roast there, Rob. That's actually I, exactly the point. <laughs> I'm I'm tired of uh, people complaining about the there's a podcast discovery problem out there. Um, most of the the I I think the longtime leaders in this medium uh, completely disagree with that. Um, many podcasters simplistically feel that if their show can be magically featured or promoted at existing or new startup audio companies and available in audio search more that they will reach more audience and make more money. While the goal is good and fine, the real question being asked is how do we grow the overall audience for podcasts faster? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little bit of consensus, I think, across many quotes um, on trying to grow the overall audience. The, the last part here is the question should be how we grow the overall listener base for podcasting to uh, maintain audience growth that matches the escalating number of new podcasts being launched in the market every month, which is about 1,000 to 1,500 new shows are being launched in iTunes every single month. To date, the growth of podcast audience has been relatively slow over the last 13 years, and and growth of uh, word-of-mouth sharing of podcasts has been steady and been driven by increased quality of content, expansion of new content genres, and growing media coverage. And 
as we look forward to, um, uh, we need to partner with our radio colleagues to transition audio audiences to the inevitable move to on-demand audio listening in digital platforms and then encourage Google Android to do a much better job of uh, presenting podcast content to millions of mobile smartphone users. Mm-hmm. Bravo. Bravo. I can't, I can't roast that. There's nothing to roast there because it's all absolutely true. Well, you know, I will, uh, something to roast cause that's boring not to roast something. There's gotta be something well, in there. Rob, what you Come said on, was, no, what you said was absolutely true. And to that extent, Tom Webster, who's also quoted in this article uh, from Edson Media Research, uh, mentioned sort of a similar thing. He puts it in words that I don't think are necessarily – his analogies aren't uh, as good as the bookshelf analogy. Let's put it ah, that way, Rob. Okay. I, think that's, I think that's Tom's uh, biggest problem with his quote. But he mentions that uh, before we start worrying about pull issues like discovery, the medium needs a – quote, push a concerted effort from the industry to bring mainstream content to the general public and to explain what a podcast is and why we should care, which is essentially what you just said, Rob. But Tom, uh, and I, but, 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 but Tom, if you push people, somebody might get hurt. You know, mm, That's a good point, too. Yes. Continue. So, our, yeah, my, my whole thing and, and one of the things that I'm setting as a goal for myself in 2018, whether Francesco, our boss, agrees to it or not, is uh, is trying to find that way to market podcasting outside of the podcasting uh, universe. I think we do a great job uh, with social media, with word of mouth, with all of that, talking to the people that are already listening to podcasts. We need to do a better job and start thinking of how do we communicate to the people that aren't already listening to podcasts. That's how we're going to help grow audiences faster. And I, I, Google uh, could certainly help us. And by us, I mean the entire podcasting industry uh, more than what they're currently doing. And I believe that the radio folks um, have a big part to play in this too. Um, yes. Much more than I think they've given themselves credit for. <laughs> Honestly. Well, they've got the biggest marketing megaphone that exists, right? Yeah. Like yeah. say, exactly. uh, the, the, everyone, everyone hears that megaphone. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So, um, why I, I have been working with the radio industry for, for years trying to get them involved in podcasting because, uh, there's huge growth opportunity coming out of radio. And, uh, I've been also working with Google too, uh, trying to get them to move forward with their, uh, podcasting efforts. So, uh, hopefully those two things will bring some fruit here soon and uh, we can start seeing audiences grow a little faster, which I think is speaking of fruit. It's almost we'll time solve for me to the eat. discovery problem. Oh, it's time for you to eat. Yeah, I'm hearing the dinner bell being rung in the oh, background. That's true. It is about that time where you're at there. So let's just uh, overwhelm our podcast audience uh, with talking about Apple's new uh, stats system that they <laughs> launched. So, also speaking of fruit, Apple. Yes, Apple. <laughs> that's right. Take a small bite out of this apple. Um, mm. But, uh, yeah, and, and then we can move on and you can have your dinner and and, um, and our listeners can move on too with their lives because we've taken up a lot of their time. But uh, last week, uh, Apple launched their new stats program uh, and it landed with a little bit of a thud from what I gathered in the community. Um, not much discussion in the community um, as it's kind of very early days for the new 
podcast data uh, that's in there. There's some interesting stuff in there, but uh, a lot of it isn't quite uh, filled out yet. Uh, there's a lot of podcasts. I, I personally had like five or six shows in there and like one of them had uh, data in it. So many shows are not populated yet. Uh, it's very interesting though to see the number of devices connected to episodes in the timeline to see when devices drop off listening and that's kind of the analogy that they're using so it's how many devices are connected to listening to your show in the timeline right so you can kind of see this chart that goes up and down up and down kind of like a a wave right i'm drawing this Mm -hmm. analogy again right so you have the the peak and then the valleys and you know various ripples in there and that's kind of what they're showing on the screen is how many people are listening to different parts um, in the timeline of your program? So I thought that was very interesting. So you could see when you started talking about uh, Apple podcast stats that my numbers in my listenership drop like a rock. So mm. that's kind of, you know, that's probably what I'm going to see in my stats for this particular episode. Uh, no, I think they're going to see the drop when you introduce Pod Vader as your co-host. Oh, All of a sudden, no, I think it's going to go skyrocketing at that point. Yeah. Drop like a rock. Definitely. And I, I think more questions than answers, uh, I think, with this uh, uh, is the reason why there wasn't much discussion in the podcasting community about this uh, release. It's still a beta. So, you know, if you haven't checked your, your stats over there, go check them out. Go to uh, podcasts, that's podcast plural, connect, dot, apple.com and um, enter your uh, apple id and and check out your podcasts um see how they're they're doing if you haven't though you're not missing much so don't not yet uh, anyway don't but fret. you might want to get in there and expose yourself to the uh the underwhelmment of the of the uh, apple's new stats beta but jump in there and feel free to be underwhelmed thank you so, <laughs> Jay, thank you for joining me on the Speaker Live show today. Uh, was my response underwhelming, too? I, yeah, I thought, yeah, that, I thought my comedic laughed. timing was perfect for that. It, it, yeah, it, was. It, it was. It played really well. Thank you so much. Uh, this welcome. is a very unusual episode of the Speaker Live show because when Alex is on, we have a completely different cadence here. So mm. our, our dynamic is a little different than Alex. Alex is uh, a screamer. So, no, just kidding. He... Uh, he likes to project aggressively, so okay. it, it kind of. I'm a mild-mannered uh, participant in the uh, in the drama that happens in the Speaker Live show, so I just kind of casually, you know, take my time. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I thought the pace was great, ah, but I think you know, so too. yeah, I think you know, uh, I like to be the jokester, but you know, my jokes well, tend to fall flat. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, we all play our roles, Jay. I'm sure the right. next time you're on your show, uh, on this show, you will play the jokester part, and I, I will laugh at your jokes, even though they may be not funny. So, <laughs> awesome, <laughs> excellent. Okay. That is a deal. Okay, let's 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 make that happen. You know, it's the next episode of the Speaker Live Show, Jay's stand-up routine, and we'll all <laughs> clap and laugh. <laughs> What is this thing with podcasts, huh? I yeah, yeah, I can see it. It's uh there's got to be a stand-up routine that 
we can do about podcasting. There has to be. Uh, I'm sure someone has already done it. Yeah, well, probably probably like a Mark Marin or somebody has probably done it before. So, I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jay, thanks so much uh, for jumping on and spending an hour and a half with me doing the show. It's the longest show we've ever done, I think. Yeah! Awesome. And uh, thank you for listening to the Speaker Live show today. It was great to have you with us along this journey of discovery. Um, so come back and check us out next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern from SpeakerLiveShow.com. And uh, you're going to hear me pontificate. And maybe, you know, maybe Jay will come on and tell us a stand-up joke. So we can probably do that, too. So anyway. I'll see what I can do. I, I can't do much better than Alexa, though. I know. Well, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.